Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. In a moment, I'm going to be joined by Jonathan Johnson of ESPN FC um, to break down and look ahead, I guess, to the PSG match. Uh, before you listen to that, I'm just going to kind of give you a breakdown of how this is going to work tonight. A bit of a deviation from our regular routine in our podcast. We're not going to really talk about the post game of the Sociedad match. We're talking about PSG mostly at this point. If you want Sociedad coverage, uh, managementdo.com, obviously, we have tactical review, the reaction, player ratings, all that. And uh, and tonight's podcast is mostly going to be dedicated to previewing PSG. So part one, Jonathan Johnson will join me to give us the perspective of PSG heading into this game. And part two will be me answering some questions about formations and tactics against Paris Saint-Germain and what it might look like, but also what I would do and so forth. So hope you enjoy this one. And here's part one with Jonathan Johnson of ESPN FC. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. It is Sunday night, and usually at this time of night and this time of the weekend, we're wrapping up Real Madrid's previous game. We're doing it a bit differently this time because we have a game coming up that's going to make or break our season, and we want to focus on that. So joining me to help break down the much-anticipated Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain match is... Jonathan Johnson of ESPN FC, French correspondent. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm doing great. Um, I don't know if there's anybody as well-connected to PSG as you are in the world, just like from day to day in terms of being a beat writer and, and covering them the way you do in French football. PSG in particular, so much emphasis around them this season for obvious reasons. Um, just being around them, so much and kind of you know being at the pressers and stuff what is the mood of the camp heading into this game is it is it because right now in the spanish media and real madrid and everyone they've been talking about this game ever since the draw was made yeah absolutely i mean it's been similar uh, in france as well uh, as soon as psg came out against real a lot of people like oh you know uh, what have we done to deserve this another difficult draw you know you've got to cast your mind back to the last couple of seasons where psg have come up against the likes of uh, you know, Barcelona's, Chelsea's, that sort of thing. So PSG, um, traditionally, at least since the Qataris took over, have never really been handed, you know, what would be seen as kind of like the the favourable draws. So, uh, you know, yeah, there has been a lot of um, emphasis put on the Real clash since the draw was made. Uh, however, PSG have actually had a very busy start to 2018, which has also uh, distracted the, uh, the, the French press. And I'd say, you know, 
one of the things coming into this game is that uh, you know a lot of people around the club are just feeling a little bit um, uh, a, a bit tired, you know, of having sort of two, three matches really within the space of uh, you know each uh, each set of seven days. So it's uh, obviously. Uh, you know, people are not feeling the fatigue going into this match, but it's just all the games that it's taken to get up to this point because there's been so much action in Ligue 1. Uh, and then the two domestic cups as well, the Coupe de France and the Coupe de la Ligue. PSG is still going strong on all fronts. So, uh, you know, and this is, uh, you know, the moment that the season's really been uh, been leading up to, certainly at least since uh, since Bayern Munich away. So, uh, you know, the mood um, right now at this moment in time, since uh, since Real beat uh, Sociedad, uh, it's been one of a little bit of uh, pessimism. You know, that started to creep in here in France, looking at, you know, Real finding their feet uh, in front of goal uh, and people starting to worry that, you know, PSG might end up, you know, come crashing out in the, uh, in the round of 16 once again. But overall, you know, I think this is something that's been viewed uh, with a lot of excitement uh, and it's it's you know it's it's the it's the big moment you know since Neymar arrived since Kylian Mbappe arrived uh, people have been looking forward to PSG's first sort of like real high stakes match and although the Bayern matches in the group stage were big uh, you know this is by far and away um, the biggest match uh, for PSG since uh, Neymar and Mbappe have arrived. Well, on that note, um, for Real Madrid this season, it they've just faced test after test, wave after wave of tribulations. Um, and they've had all kinds of tactical and mental miscues and collapses. Um, and the fact that they've had like, you know, maybe three out of the last four or five games have been good um, relative to what they've done in the, in the in the previous games. It's interesting to kind of look at the, the perspective of PSG and what they're going through as well. And I, and I wonder, um, because we look at it from a perspective of Real Madrid and we look at what PSG is accomplishing this season with their front three and Di Maria is in great form. Um, it looks like they're flying. But if you kind of just zoom out and look at their season, I wonder, do you think it's it's fair to say that they don't get tested often and some of their tests like Lyon and Bayern, they they didn't deal with great. So do you think it's do you think it's a matter of they haven't been tested enough this season for us to really know what they're made of? No, I mean, uh, you know, I think you raised some uh, some interesting points, and I think you know PSG have been tested sufficiently enough, uh, you know, for teams like Real to be looking at what they've done and um, feel they have a good idea of uh, you know what this uh, what this squad is uh, is capable of. You know, I think that the the three sort of um, telltale signs really, uh, or the, the the three telltale results in PSG's season um, have been the defeat away at Strasbourg just before uh, the defeat away at Bayern in the, in the Champions League back in. De- December, uh, and then that loss where Leon as well. You know they have exposed um, you know, the, the the weaknesses to this PSG side. Every other game um, so far this season has shown PSG's strengths quite well because you know there's been so many matches where you know PSG have stuck more than say four or five goals past their past their opponents and. It's easy to look at Ligue 1 from a distance if you don't know the league and say, oh, it's it, it's not very uh, it's it's not very competitive. And okay, PSG are you know miles um, ahead of, of pretty much every other team in that league. But if PSG are um, complacent, 
they you know they don't attach enough importance to to certain matches uh you know they get shown up and we saw that uh, in the in the defeat against Lyon back in uh, in January we saw that last season as well you know they didn't take enough domestic games seriously uh, and Monaco showed them up you know so I, I think it's it's a bit of a myth that there's not enough domestic competition for PSG however the one thing that you know I think would be really con- is really concerning coming into this game is you look at the volume uh, of matches I mean like I said earlier that PSG have already played um, so far in 2018, you know, they played eight times competitively in January. They played three matches already um, so far this month. You know, and it's a, it, it's a very very demanding schedule. The you know the French domestic one for the roundabout uh, this time of the of, of the season. So PSG have not only had to sort of deal with. Um, their complacency or how they view, um, you know, certain matches in these competitions. Uh, Emery has had to also uh, rotate his squad very well to try and keep certain players fresh. You know, we've seen Neymar left out of the squad for certain matches, uh, but you, you've also had, uh, you know, the likes of Kylian Mbappe sitting games out and Edinson Cavani as well coming into this one as well. Mm. So it's, uh, you know, it's you know I think PSG have been sufficiently tested, if not always with the caliber of opponent that they've come up against them, with the fact that they've been dealing with games sort of every two three days, certainly since the start of 2018. Do you do you have any sense of how Emery will approach this game? Will it will he do anything differently? Will he kind of just go with the, the same scheme that he's he's been doing? Do you think they'll be more defensive? I mean, it's very curious because to me. In, in a lot of ways, Real Madrid and PSG are similar in the sense that neither are like this defense, have this defensive tactical identity, uh, and they all have like a bunch of individually talented, gifted players. Um, and, you know, with Real Madrid, they haven't been pe- pressing great this season, and, and PSG kind of have this this thing where, where Neymar and Mbappe and, and Cavani, I wouldn't say they're known for pressure, for pressing too well. But they can just rip you apart when they get the ball. Um, but I'm curious to know if, if you got any insight on on how Emery will approach this game at all. Well, I mean, it's it's a very interesting situation coming into the match uh, from a PSG point of view, looking at um, Emery's uh, role and what he's going to have to do. Because actually, PSG face uh, a bit of a dilemma in midfield. Uh, first choice uh, defensive midfielder Thiago Motta has been struggling with injury all season. Uh, Emery said after the Toulouse match this weekend that he is not going to um, at least you know start the match. Uh, it, it sounds like he won't even feature in it at all. He may well make the squad. You know, somebody of that experience needs to be with the players uh, before a big match like this. But it doesn't sound like he's going to play much of a role in the in, in the first leg of uh, of this tie, uh, and that means that Emery is now going to have to either go with somebody like Giovanni Lo Celso, who's not a natural defensive midfielder, who's been doing very well there and is a very talented young player, but doesn't have any Champions League experience, uh, and then somebody that Real Madrid fans will be familiar with in Lasana Diara, who PSG picked up as a free agent towards the end of the the January transfer window, who's played a couple of games and looked decent. He hasn't looked as off the pace as many people thought he might. Uh, but he certainly hasn't had the amount of time that you'd probably hope, um, you know, uh, to give a player coming into, uh, you know, a, ma- a match of, uh, of this size. So there's questions over uh, whether it's better to start one of those two players. And another possibility for Emery is that he goes with someone like Adrien Rabiot. Uh, but Rabiot himself is, a, is much better if he's played in one of the, the, the two more advanced central, central midfield roles. Uh, and he's had his own... Um, 
niggling injuries coming into this one as well. So there are um, advantages and disadvantages to any of the all of well, all three of the decisions facing Emery uh, as far as the the midfield is concerned. And then you know it goes to to his uh, approach, how he sends PSG out to play in the, in the match because we saw away at uh, against Bayern Munich he didn't really react during the game once he saw that PSG were being overrun in midfield uh, by Bayern uh, and that that is something that you know is a bit of a concern coming into uh, into this game from uh, from a PSG point of view I don't think he's going to send PSG out to play very very defensive football however when you have a front three uh, you know that possesses quality of the likes of Neymar uh, Kylian Mbappe, Angel Di Maria as well, or Edinson Cavani. You know, you know, you have a lot of um, pace and and, uh, and and threat in front of goal. Then PSG are actually playing very, very well on the counter attack. However, they're also not really uh, a team built for sitting back, soaking up pressure, and then launching those uh, those counter attacks. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how Emery gets the best out of his attacking players, uh, but also keeps things tight at the back. I mean. Defence has been a problem for PSG all season as well, especially when Levin Kazara has been playing at left-back and Dani Alves has been playing at right-back. With Yuri Bicicci at left-back, there's a bit more balance there. He's a, you know, he's a bit more of a responsible player. But uh, for, for me, I think this is, uh, this is one of the areas that Emery really has to get right along with the midfield. And if, you know, if he goes with someone like Kazara and, and Alves, then I think that Real could have a lot of joy um, down both flanks. Um, do you, there's a lot there that you said. Uh, I, I want to get into some of it, but um, I think you mentioned Mata. He's he's a big absence in the sense that, well, one, he's good, and two, you like you said, like Lasana is still kind of you know at, at this point of his career and and still has a bit of unfamiliarity with the team. This also to me kind of looked a bit out of place against Leon playing that deep. And it, it just seemed like he wasn't, he wasn't meant to play a role like that. But like you said, he's, he's a really good player in a vacuum. Um, and I, I think his ability kind of suits you, him to play a bit higher. And Verratti obviously isn't a traditional defensive midfielder. I will say from like a Real Madrid fan perspective, there's a few things that I wouldn't say we're licking our lips over, but at least we're like in a, in a season of a terrible season for us will say, okay, maybe that's something we can exploit. Is one, the lack of uh, that player like Mota. The other one you mentioned was Kurzawa at left back. And for all the disaster that Marcelo has been defensively, I know Kurzawa hasn't been great. So do you, do you get a sense that that is something that PSG will be sweating in this game? You know, how are they going to basically deal with someone like a healthy Bale uh, running that flank? And will that... Will Neymar have more defensive duties? How does that look to you? I mean, I, th- I don't think Neymar will be expected to have more defensive duty. I think what is probably more likely to happen is that if, uh, you know, if, if there is expected to be more sort of resistance on that left side, that, that Emery will go for somebody like Bacicci because Bacicci, uh, you know, is a, is a much stronger backup to Neymar than, uh, than somebody like Kazar. You know, Kazar is essentially a second uh, left winger, really. Uh, you know, he doesn't offer much defensively. Uh, but I don't think that uh, Emery really is going to set up um, for, for PSG to sort of try to stop Madrid um, attacking too much. I think his emphasis 
uh, knowing the way that he, uh, he he puts PSG out to play is probably going to be for PSG to go out and uh, you know um, try and do all of the you know basically dictate the pace of the match and uh, you know do do all of the uh, do all of the attacking and try and sort of rail uh, on the ropes from as early as possible and uh, uh, you know try and try and get a, an, an early away goal. It's it's it, it's very difficult to call, but I don't think that. Emery will put so much emphasis on the defence because he knows that at the end of the day, if if the team really tries hard to um, to defend, they they still may end up uh, you know conceding goals because there are you know there are mistakes in that uh, in, in that back line, especially when either of the options that you have at right back, Dani Alves or, or Thomas Thomas Munier, you know, are not the most defensively minded uh, players. I think there will be more balance in the back four if Bacici starts. Um, but I don't think that Emery will really put too much emphasis on the on on the defence. He'll be looking more at how he solves that issue in midfield uh, and ensures that the front three get as much of the ball as possible. And it's interesting, really, that he hasn't experimented with uh, with Angel Di Maria in, in central midfield the way that he did with Julian Drexler earlier on in the season. Okay, uh, you know that experiment didn't work, and it was shown up um, away at Bayern Munich towards the end of last year. Uh, you know, but. Di Maria, as Real fans will know, is somebody who is capable of playing central midfield. I mean, it mm-hmm. is possible that Emery takes that risk and puts him into the midfield three uh, and then still goes with the front three of Cavani, Neymar uh, and Mbappe, which, you know, obviously would be a lot of uh, firepower to have on the pitch. But whether Di Maria could have the same influence from central midfield because he's never played there with PSG really before, uh, you know, we'd have to... Uh, you know, remains to be seen but uh, you know there are plenty of uh, you know you, you said that there's things that Real fans have been looking at uh, and, and sort of uh, feeling optimistic about ahead of this game things to exploit uh, but you know PSG um, you know have also been doing the same with uh, you know a lot of Real's weaknesses and mm-hmm. at the end of the day PSG's one big strength and Real's one big weakness this season is that PSG have been irresistible in attack and have shown they can score against pretty much anybody uh, you know, and Real have shown themselves to be vulnerable, uh, you know, more often than not. And even against somebody like Sociedad, when the goals are raining in, uh, you know, there are still, uh, you know, uh, Real still find a way to to let them score twice. So I think PSG will feel very uh, optimistic coming into this one because, because of the sheer firepower they possess in attack. Yeah, I, I mean, people forget, like they we often say, well, Real Madrid will ha- has this like European DNA. I'm sure they'll turn up a gear. Like it's really naive to think that way. First of all, and second of all, like you've been you've been basically just confirming this. That was something we already knew is that PSG obviously has this game circle in the calendar as well. They they remember the humiliation of last year against Barca, and they they're gonna get themselves up for this. Like there's there's no way. I, it would be almost impossible that they don't score in. In either of the games, given that they're firepower, I was gonna say like um, one of the things that we were hoping for also was that maybe maybe Emery finds a way to bring Kurzawa back in the midfield experiment, uh, given given how I guess like out of place he is there. But if Di Maria doesn't start in the midfield, does he just come off the bench if the front three are healthy? How does that work? I mean, for me personally, uh, it's something that I've been thinking for the last couple of weeks. If I was Emery, I would actually be really tempted to either start Edinson Cavani on the bench, which would be a big call, 
um, or start Kylian Mbappe on the bench. One of those two. Um, there, there are arguments for and against both. I mean, for somebody like Cavani, uh, at this moment in time, the big question mark is over how serious his injury is coming into this because he missed the game against Toulouse through injury. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's going to be um, uh, serious enough to rule him out. But if he's not going to be 100%, uh, and, and PSG are playing away from home, surely it makes more sense to go with three players who are 100% physically, uh, you know, and, and possess a lot of uh, a lot of speed and a lot of technique. And you know, that front three of um, Neymar, Mbappe, uh, and Di Maria on paper, you know, would, would pose uh, Real Madrid a lot of problems. However. You've then got to consider that Mbappe is not really the same player when he's played through the middle as, as he is out wide. But at the, at the same time, even when he's played out wide right now, Mbappe is just not the same player that, that we knew from Monaco last season, that we knew from mm. the first half of, of, of this season with PSG. He's going through, uh, you know, his, his confidence has dropped a little bit. And I think this goes back um, to the match uh, against uh, Lyon, the, the defeat away at Lyon last month. When he collided with uh, with Anthony Lopez, the goalkeeper had to come off injured, missed a couple of games after that. Um, seemed like he had a lot of pent up aggression once he finally got back in the team. Uh, got sent off first career red card uh, in the the Coupe de la Ligue semi final away at Rennes, uh, and and just doesn't really seem um, as settled uh, as as he as he did uh, in the first part of the season. I think he's feeling a bit of frustration at this moment in time, and as big a match as it is. You know, Mbappe is at the beginning of his career. It's not going to be the last time he ever comes up, uh, you know, against a team uh, like Real in a, in a big Champions League match. May, may well, at some point in the future, even be lining up for Real in the Champions League, you know, across that, that bridge another day. But um, I, I think there are arguments for and against um, Emery starting without uh, one of uh, Edinson Cavani or Kylian Mbappe in order to accommodate somebody like Di Maria because Di Maria is not in form at the moment. Uh, you know, he's a player who can score goals and uh, provide assists, you know, as, as he showed in the first leg uh, at this at this stage last season when he was instrumental in absolutely ripping Barcelona apart. Um, and, you know, he also, he's also played for Real before, so he knows what to expect from the, from the Bernabeu on a, on a big Champions League night. And I think that, uh, you know, that has a lot of value at this moment in time uh, for PSG. Well, I think if let's, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I, you know, I'd actually, to be honest, it never crossed my mind, uh, but especially given your argument that Mbappe has cooled off a bit and maybe there's some health concerns to Cavani, it makes sense. But I was saying, like, even assuming that all three are fit, I think Real Madrid fans just would 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 be happy if Di Maria just stayed off the pitch and didn't even like because if, if he plays in the center mid role the way he played with us that's a really terrifying player to play against because not only is he does he have three lungs and he doesn't stop running and he hounds you and is is really really great offensively defensively he helps the team like non-stop especially if there's going to be counterattacks if, if if PSG suffer counterattacks He's also someone that could potentially cover for Kurzawa in, in case things happen there. So um, with all due respect to players like Rabiot and Lo Celso and, well, Verratti will play anyway. He's amazing. But I, I would I would rather face one of Rabiot or Lo Celso than, than Di Maria. Um, I want to ask you a couple questions before I let you go. One is one of the things that I I forgot to mention that Real Madrid fans are also potentially looking at. 
Guliano Bruce on Facebook says, should Real Madrid try shots from distance a little more often, given the fact that Areola doesn't exactly cope very well with them? Yeah, it's a, it's a good uh, it's, a, it's a good question. It's a good observation because yeah, um, Ariola uh, his judgment on, on shots from distance uh, you know hasn't been great at times. I mean, ha- having watched the the, the Lyon match, you surely would have observed that the way he was beaten by Nabil Fekir's early free kick. Uh, you know, so I think that that is uh, that is something that the Real could try more of. Uh, but at the same time, it's not really. In PSG's um, DNA, the way that they've played for the last couple of years since they switched to this 4-3-3 that they've not really moved away from, um, you know, for the best part of the last five years, uh, to give away the ball too often in areas that Real will be able to shoot from. So, yeah, by, by all means, if Real get an opportunity to shoot from distance, they should. Uh, however, the way that PSG play, uh, you know, those sort of opportunities, I'd say, will be uh, will be at a premium for Real. Um, Kirat... Mehar on Facebook says, if somehow PSG gets knocked out in the round of 16 again, then how should the club deal with it? Do they replace Emery? Do they spend on defenders? Or stick with the same team for next season? Would their season be considered a flop? So I'll just add to this, Jonathan. Um, Obviously, even though it's Real Madrid the defending champion, this would be a huge disappointment for PSG to get knocked out again at this round, Um, especially with the summer signings they had. Well, how, what is what would the reaction be? Well, I could tell you that Unai Emery won't be coach of PSG next season if they go out to Real Madrid. Yeah, mm. I mean, you're, you're you're right. You know, this is uh, you know at the end of the day, the two-time defending champions. You know, Real are, are no mugs. PSG certainly aren't looking at it this way. They're looking at Real as um, a team that you know is looking a bit more fragile than normal. But I don't think that PSG are um, you know sort of viewing them the same way that they were viewing Barcelona uh, going into the second leg last season. I think that they know they're going to have to put in two very, very good performances uh, in order to advance over both legs. Uh, And I think that it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something that PSG aren't really thinking about right now, the possibility of going out to Real because their season, like like Real's, uh, you know, is riding on this match. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, PSG are only thinking at the moment of a, of a scenario where they advance at the end of uh, the end of the two legs. I think that if they if they weren't to, if they go out, um, however it you know however it might uh, might arise, uh, I think that Emery will be replaced. He, he won't have his contract renewed because he's already into the last few months of that. Uh, I think that there'll probably be an almighty fight to convince some of the the big stars in this team um, to to stick with the with the project uh, because there'll be a lot of media uh, speculation over the over their futures once uh, you know once PSG are confirmed out of the Champions League if that was to happen. Um, uh, I th- I think obviously a lot of money would be spent to try and correct um, certain areas in the team, but a lot of the the, the money that that has to be spent on certain areas would be dictated uh, by whether or not any of the players could actually sort of uh, force PSG's hand and say, look, uh, you know we've been uh, loyal to this project now for the last couple of years. Prom- the same promises are made um, season after season, uh, and we don't seem to be making any um, progress in the Champions League. You know, with somebody like Verratti now represented by Mino Raiola, uh, I could see him, even though he's not the big star of the team anymore, uh, you know, demanding to leave. And, and PSG wouldn't really have that much that they could put in his way to, uh, you know, to, to, to convince him to stay. 
so I think it's yeah. I mean, there there is a lot of of um, there's a lot riding on this uh, for PSG, and there would be big changes at the club if they were to to crash out. The same, I imagine, you know, it will be the case if uh, if it's Real who go out. Um, yeah, I mean, there in in that sense, I think it's very similar in terms of like the managerial situations. Yeah, I, I think they would probably look at it the same way. Um, do you have a prediction for this game and the tie? Uh, I do. I think that this game will end in a draw. I'm I'm going to say one-one draw, but I think that PSG will advance uh, over both legs. I think if PSG can keep things relatively tight in the first leg grab an away goal, at least one away goal, uh, I think that they will be confident, uh, and rightly so, of, of finishing the job uh, at, at Parc des Princes come, uh, come, come March. So for me, I think I can see the first leg being a draw, and PSG winning the, the second and going through over the two okay. games. Are you a PSG fan? Is it hard to separate that from your journalism? Uh, I I am. I was a I was a PSG fan for a long time before I became a, before I became a journalist. I'd say that right. the fan element of it uh, changes once you you know once you start yeah. covering the the team on a day to day basis. Plus the yeah. fact that when I was a fan, the Qataris weren't a thing. Um, and <laughs> you know, yeah, I have uh, I have a lot of affection for PSG. My real my real team. Anyone who knows me and follows me on Twitter will know that I'm I'm an Aston Villa fan. So today mm. being Sunday, we just won the second City derby against Birmingham City so I'm very happy you know, it's, big uh, congrats Villa are more Villa, Villa are more my team thank you Villa are more my team and uh, you know PSG um, it's more of a it's more of a passion that sort of became a job well Jonathan Johnson um, I really appreciate your time um, I look forward uh, as I, I'm sure you are to the game uh, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm I won't lie I'm I'm quite nervous and um I will be at the game and, and I will be a bit terrified and uh, uh, just given just given I know what PSG capable of and what I've known to see Real Madrid have have accomplished this season and also just have the way they've suffered um, it'll be a bit nerve wracking and uh, I I won't I hope we come out on top but at any rate I wish you the best and I I appreciate you doing this thank you Jonathan uh, thanks a lot for having me on and likewise. Uh, wish you the best as well. You know, may the may the best team win, and I guess we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the situation's like after the after the first leg, going ahead to the second. But being there at uh, Santiago Bernabeu, I hope that you enjoy the the experience. And like I said, I, I I'm not expecting uh, you know if PSG are to win this over the two legs um, for the game to be dead uh, after the the first match, and you know if PSG are to go out as well, uh, you know I think this is going to uh, you know will be alive. Until quite late in the in the second leg, yeah, at least I, I, I hope that's going to be the case. I would agree with that. I'd be shocked if you know there was a question we didn't take today, but there was a question from someone asking, "Do you think it'll be like a blowout for either team?" And I, it's hard for me to see that. I think it it'll go down to in my aim, make just come down to away goals. It's very possible. These these teams are are so good, and I, I it's just hard for me to see one team blowing out the other. Okay, Jonathan, so um, maybe we'll do this again um, before the second leg. Um, and uh, thanks again for joining me. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me and speak soon. All right, welcome to part two of the Managing Widget podcast. I hope you enjoyed part one with Jonathan Johnson. Um, there is no one more connected to PSG than he is, so I hope you got some insight there. I think he provided a really great perspective of what, of what their mindset is 
um, what they're going through this season and how they're looking at this game. I'm going to answer some patron questions, some other questions that came in that were that were a bit um, a bit out of the 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 PSG scope of, of of questioning. So I thought I would I would answer them um, here on my own. I didn't want you guys to not have your patron questions answered in particular. So um, this is me just going to go through quick like mailbag style and and answer your questions. So. First question is from Essa Hariris. He says, can you discuss the following? One, the great chemistry between Vasquez and Kroos. Vasquez supplied most of Kroos' goals so far. Odriol's, two, Odriozola's nice form in this game. Three, formation against PSG where we'll play, bail play. Um, I can't speak for the Vasquez-Kroos numbers. I, I don't think there's any specific statistic that tells us how many players... As, you know which players assisted X player the most. Um, and I think I'd have to do it manually and go back like five years, and actually go and do it manually game by game for each one of Kroos's goals. And I'm not about to do that. But if there's an easier way to dig this up, let me know because I just don't know about it. Oriozola is phenomenal, and I know it's weird that we haven't really discussed Real Sociedad in this podcast, um, but. You know the emphasis right now is on PSG. I will say that I think a couple things that you can take away from the the Sociedad game and carry over into the PSG game. One is that I'd written about this in the mailbag, and I was asked to basically go through a bunch of PSG's weaknesses, and uh, you heard most of them already in this in part one with Jonathan. Um, one was Kurzawa left back. One was. Uh, PSG's inability to escape a press when when unnerved and and pressed and hounded high up the pitch or sorry deep, you know high into into our field and into their defensive line. Um, Lo Celso, Rabio, um, Draxler, if he plays in midfield, these guys struggle getting out of a press. And even Verratti, if he doesn't have much support, it, he suffers. Um, Dani Alves has had difficulty this season also in that respect. You know he gave the ball bunch of times against Leon and, and was a bit uncharacteristic from him but as great as Alvaz is like historically one of the greatest right backs of all time even at Barca like in um with you know during Pep's heyday he was unnerved if you press him as was like you know most most defenders in that back line so I think one of the things you can take away is that for the first time in a long time, I thought Real just press was good, and I'm I'm going to probably go through this and write a column about it, maybe maybe Tuesday if I have time, depending on the Champions League coverage and how heavy that is. But um, the the press in that game against Sociedad was much better and much more cohesive than I've seen in most games this season. So I think that's something you can take away, and um, I would say that the second half. I think for some obvious reasons, their the Real Madrid's press kind of waned. As is the, as did their build up from the back, their efficiency, their directness on the counter attack. I think that naturally just kind of hedged off, mostly because the game was won. You're looking ahead to PSG, and you're kind of just getting complacent at that point. But there were kind of like these half-assed presses from Sociedad that weren't really good, and Real Madrid had difficulty playing out of them from the back. And PSG. Um, are going to kind of provide um, similar opportunities where they're not a great pressing team, but they will try to make you uncomfortable and there will be uh, space to exploit. So if you can press well 
and you can get it out of a press better than you have in, in games past. Like the team did it really well against Depor. Um, it's going to be really key. The point about Odriozola, um, look, I mean, I've, I I don't know how much I can talk about it almost every podcast. The guy is unbelievable. He's a right back, and I don't know, not so much in this game against Real Madrid, but in previous games, he's a for a freaking right back to have most of the play go through him offensively as if he's a number ten. It's it's you got to be really special, and he is. Uh, and the third question about formations against PSG, I'll get to this a bit down. Uh, a bit later in the podcast because there's other questions about this. So, um, question from Sheikh Hatiri. Here it is. So, he says, I know that Zidane will, but would you play Benz against PSG? I think a 4-4-2 with Asensio or Isco, Kroos, Modric, and Kovacic in the midfield, and Bale and Cristiano at the front will be much better. I really feel sorry about Benzema. He's been an amazing player for the club, but he is doing more harm than good now. Also, I'm so happy to see Asensio starting and shining. Uh, this kid is the future. He's the Butrogenio and Raul we haven't had for a while. Well, we may may need to pump the brakes on comparing them to those two club legends, but I agree he has a really high ceiling. Um, similarly, uh, Leon Stavronakis says, a week or so ago, I mentioned on Twitter that I thought Zidane needed to replace Casemiro in midfield with a more rounded player to bring more creativity. I do not blame Casemiro for all of Madrid's problems, but because there haven't been, there hasn't been uh, a fall-off at so many positions. I think it requires getting more out of that position in terms of passing and possession. Do you agree? If so, who would you insert? Isco or Asensio, thereby moving Kroos deeper in the three-man midfield, Zidane re- prefers, or Mateo in a straight switch or defensive midfielder role? So, um, essentially, both of these questions are, are kind of hinting at this idea that uh, Casemiro shouldn't play. And I think this is all fresh in our minds also against uh, Sociedad, because Casemiro didn't play. And if you know me and you've followed me throughout the years, I've had a lot of great things to say about Casemiro. And um, I've also had a lot of not, not so great things to say. And I think I've been fairly objective in my stance on him, pointing out the good and the bad. And I think, I also think that in a way, you're living in the Stone Age if you're still relying on a destroyer um, who struggles technically. Um, modern football asks so much more of our midfielders. and. Kovacic, the team rarely suffers uh, or doesn't suffer at all defensively, doesn't drop off defensively with Kovacic instead of Casemiro. And for all the people who might point to the Clasico as a, as an omen to not play Kovacic in the midfield, I think you have to go back and rewatch that game. You have to also go back to the post-game comments where he specifically said and Zidane said that Kovacic was asked to man-mark Messi and it's true in that moment, in the first goal, he may have needed to make a judgment call, but it is shocking and it's not fair to him that no one picked up Rakitic bringing the ball up the field unchallenged. Too many times in this season, Casemiro has just been out of position and whether that's by design or not, um, he's a bit all over the place and, and some of his defending and his last-ditch tackling can look spectacular, but it's also because he's not in the right place at the right time. Now, it's also unfair to say that's his fault because the team has spread himself thin. And when you rely on on an anchor to mop up um, your your shortcomings defending in transition, you have to ask yourself, do I need Casemiro to prevent counters or to save the team from counters? Or do I need to 
create a scheme that prevents counterattacks altogether with better defending in transition, better positioning, and more ball control. So, um, in many ways, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of bounce around with this discussion, but my, my, my lineup that I've been dying for Zidane to try, and I've thought about this a lot, and I've thought about a lot of the holes and weaknesses in this potential scheme, and, and uh, I'll mention the, the team first. It'd be really interesting to see Kroos and Modric in a double pivot, Asensio on the right wing, Bale on the left wing, Isco down the middle. So you basically have almost like a 4-2-3-1, and then Ronaldo up top. Um, and off, you know, just, just looking at it on paper quickly, your first observation is probably that defensively it'll get roasted. I think essentially the first half of the the game against Sociedad was the argument for a modric cross double pivot. And Om and I talked about this last podcast. It was our patron-only podcast, so you may have missed it if you're not a patron. Essentially, the way you mask not having a defensive midfielder and and trying to reason and ration your way into a cross modric double pivot is that you surround them with technical uh, unicorns and people who can control the midfield, and you defend by keeping the ball. Like, this is nothing new, nothing revolutionary, but it's something subtle that Real Madrid can obviously do. So, with elite passers, elite creators, uh, and people who can control the ball and and help defensively, so Asensio, Isco, and Bale surrounding Kroos and Modric, you can, you can dominate a game and mask your defense by not giving up counters because you're holding on to the ball. And if you do, you have two-way players like Isco and Bale, uh, Modric and Kroos in a sense you who can who can help you in transition anyway. They have pace. Bale is the best two-way player on the team. Modric has a really high defensive IQ. And Isco does as well. Asensio, I think early on in his Real Madrid career, he really struggled knowing where to be in the right spots defensively. But he's improved in that in the last year or so. Um, and I've written about his kind of like his defensive improvements over the year, and and just knowing where to be in the right defensive spots, reading the passing lanes, and and and, uh, and covering the half spaces. He's improved a lot there, so I think that would work, and and I hope that at least answers in terms of people asking what I would do. Um, I would love to see that. Now it's. The the reality is, I don't think we'll see Zidane deviate from the four three three because BBC are healthy, um, and there's other people asking about do we go back to the diamond? Um, and I honestly, uh, these questions are and discussions are are fine to have, but the reality is that we'll probably see the four three three. The only thing I could I could picture in my head that Zidane might try or roll the dice is kind of the the classical four central midfielders lineup, which. Casemiro, Kroos, Modric, and uh, Kovacic all played. And you probably don't have to man-mark anyone unless you really want to talk yourself into man-marking Neymar, which I don't know if you necessarily want to do. But um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if Zidane went that route. And I would say what with with that particular team, it was nice on paper, actually. I, th- I think I liked it um, because it... it theoretically should provide you a lot of defensive stability assuming that everyone's in position but you're going to lack a lot of flair and attack and Bale and Ronaldo would get isolated with the ball so I think that would be the problem with that scheme shoehorning Kovacic in there so 
I don't think Kovacic should play with Casemiro. I think it's overkill. It's not necessary because then you're just you're crowding the midfield with with unnecessary um, repetitive basically uh, roles in the team, and and it just it just doesn't doesn't mesh as well on the field than it does on paper. One more patron question, I think. Um, oh, Sayantan Nandi, another patron, also asks, uh, do you think we should play 4-4-2 against PSG with the same scheme as yesterday, only exception being Bale in place of Benz and Nacho coming in? Uh, I think I answered most of this already, but for sure Nacho. Like other people are asking, Nacho or Atraf, it's it's got to be Nacho, right? Like we, I think we'd be all shocked if Atraf started this game. Um. Okay, I think we'll take one more patron question, um, and then we'll wrap it up. Nick DeStefani says, uh, hope you guys are well. Great game first half today. He's referring to the Sociedad game. Uh, a few questions and statements. I love Asensio in that Angel Di Maria role, and would you like to see him there um, and get more time against big boys? Yeah, so I think um, I think Asensio in that role is interesting. I... I remember Gabe mentioning this like when we first saw him for Real Madrid the first time back in the preseason of last year where he plays that role and, and Gabe thought maybe that he could morph into an Iniesta where Iniesta could play in the front three, he can play in a deeper position. I don't see why not. I think his challenge is that basically that's Real Madrid's deepest position, right? So Kovacic, Modric, Kroos, Isco, um, Ceballos. And and then you have Asensio. So while I don't know if Asensio develops into that role permanently, I would say that he can play there just fine. Um, I just think he does need to improve positionally a bit better, but he has already taken leaps in that department, and I don't see why he, he can't develop into that role in the future. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up. Nick also mentioned, asked about Casemiro if he's necessary in the squad and I think we want to address that so we won't get into it um, for those of you uh, listening and you're and you kind of want to get in on this Patreon action you're missing out on some podcasts and and answering and getting questions answered and other rewards patreon.com slash managing Madrid um, you can check it out get re- rewards there maybe you don't even want a reward maybe you just want to support what we do and that uh, we much appreciate it as well it starts little as dollar a month and uh, we'd love to have you on board So we'll be back, uh, probably Gabe and I will be back Wednesday night after the PSG game and I will be either happy or sad, Um, but I will always uh, try to be rational and objective about what happens on the field and uh, hopefully we will get a good result. Um, Okay, appreciate you guys tuning in. This is Kian Sobani signing off and Hala Madrid. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. 
Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate.